This is Comic Geek Speak, episode 1368 Comic Talk. I'm Brian Chrisman. I'm Shane Kelly. I'm Adam Murdo. And I'm Chris Eberly. And welcome to the show. This is going to be our, as I like to say, our, what do we call it, Chandler? Lucy-goosey. Lucy-goosey, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. Just, <laughs> just all over the place, general comic talk. I have a couple of topics to bring up for discussion, a couple of uh, things in the studio to, uh, to talk about, other picture postcards. But first... <laughs> Anywhere from our sponsor, Mr. Murrow, take it away. Thank you, Mr. Chrisman. Our sponsor for this episode <laughs> is the Collection Drawer Company, maker of their signature product, the Drawerbox Storage System, the Easy Access Storage Solution, which is a twist on the standard cardboard uh, long box for storage of comic books. The difference being, instead of lifting off a lid off the top of the box to access your comics, you pull out a cardboard drawer from the front of the box to access the comics. That way, you can safely stack other boxes of comics on top of the drawer box and not have to lift them back off the drawer box again to access the comics in the drawer box. Just pull out the drawer and there you are. It allows you to stack your comics higher. It saves space in your living space for the storage of your comics and it's easier accessibility for your collection. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's really a great boon to any serious comic collector, as uh, most of us sitting here can attest. Um, the uh, Collection Drawer Company also makes uh, accessories to go with the drawer box, uh, such as the Box Locks Anchors, which uh, stop box tipping and improve stability for partially full boxes. They also make box sort upright dividers, which slip inside the drawer in the drawer box to keep contents from falling over and uh, prevent damage to your comics, such as spine cracking. Uh, and the collection, uh, the drawer boxes are available in a variety of sizes and shapes, too. So if you're wanting to store things other than comic books, say, for example, LP records, magazines, or action figures, they can accommodate you, too. And they offer special volume discounts for large orders. Uh, see details on their website, collectiondrawer.com. Also, read more about their signature product and their other fine products at that same website, collectiondrawer.com. That's the Collection Drawer Company, your easy access storage solution. Yes, we know them, we love them, we can't live without them. <laughs> masterfully done brother masterfully done thank you sir <laughs> all right well it's it's that time of year where it's time to start talking about because we've chris is going on about how hard it's going to be for him but to talk about oh, yes talk about the cgs best of 2016 award so adam why don't you uh, talk a little bit about that and how the listeners can take part in this as well be delighted brian <laughs> nice segue but <laughs> how about the segues all right so yes as as uh, as brian has already said it is that time again for us to look back on the year of comics that was in 2016 and uh we'll give a little extra acknowledgement to the excellence in the field of comics as we see it uh, and so what we do on comic geek speak every year is uh, have a little informal award show uh, where we uh, solicit uh, nominations from you, the listeners, and also contribute nominations ourselves, one per participating geek, and put them together into ballots for voting on the best in comics uh, in uh, a given year, uh, spread out across 16 categories. All right, now, the categories in which we select best ofs on Comic Geek Speak are as follows. I'll read them on the air this one time, and <laughs> not again until we do the official nomination <laughs> show. Ah. These will all be posted on our forums at thecomicforums.vanillaforums.com. Uh, you've actually, at 
about the same time you hear this, the, the, that should already be posted there. Uh, so the 16 categories are Best New Hero or Hero Teen, Best New Villain or Villain Teen, Best New Comic, the first issue of which shall have shipped in 2016, uh, Best Limited Series, the final issue of which shall have shipped in 2016, uh, making its triumphant return this year. Uh, best single issue or one shot. Ooh, best nice. cliffhanger or moment. Best storyline within a single series or across multiple series as a, in a crossover. Best sleeper or surprise hit. Best ongoing comic. This does not need to have begun publication in 2016. Best graphic album, meaning a trade paperback, a hardcover, graphic novel, the like. Uh, best writer. Best artist. Best Writer and Artist, Best Color Artist, Best Letterer, and Breakthrough Talent of 2016. Astute listeners may have noticed that we're eliminating the Best Inker category this year, because that's... In the past, we found that uh, that's the one category in which most people fail to make a nomination, and uh, we here on the show have difficulty with that ourselves. So, and besides, the category inker tends to be subsumed increasingly under the heading of artist anyway. So if there's an inker that you particularly like, you are perfectly free to nominate him or her as best artist or best writer artist, if that applies. So those are your 16 categories. We're soliciting nominations from you, the listeners, in all 16 of those categories, if possible. Uh, full details are going to be uh, posted on the comicforums.vanillaforums.com. Uh, but uh, we would like you, uh, and anyone who would like to participate in this voting process, to uh, select one and only one nominee for as many of these categories as possible. Now, if you try to nominate uh, a tie between Batman and Saga, for example, as best ongoing comic, your nomination within that category will be considered invalid, will just simply be discarded. Um, so try to nominate only one thing per category, please, and we ask that you nominate something, one thing, in at least eight of the 16 categories. Uh, if, if you nominate fewer, if you nominate in fewer than eight of the 16 categories, your ballot will be considered invalid and will be discarded. So uh, just uh, come up with uh, nominations for at least eight of those 16 categories and email them uh, to bestof at comicgeekspeak.com. And please try to get them into us by 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time <laughs> on Sunday, February 12th. Okay, that's uh, roughly three weeks from when you will be hearing this announcement. Uh, and then when I've received all the nominations, I will collate them, I will count them up, and uh, we will decide from that who the uh, representatives of the listeners will will be on the, uh, the final ballot of nominees for the Comic Geek Speak Best of 2016 Awards. We will announce them in a special episode to be released shortly after the deadline uh, of February 12th. And then a couple of weeks after that, uh, once uh, we will uh, post the ballot, make it public, and give everybody a chance to submit votes in each category uh, to us. And then we, uh, after another couple of weeks, we will then announce the final winners in each of those 16 categories for the Best of 2016 Awards. So this is an annual tradition here at Comic Geek Speak, and we look forward to you know, great listener turnout and participation once again this year. So vote early and uh, vote no more than once. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where you're going with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, we'll that will actually be posted on the comic forums, com, probably on our main um, page, I would mm -hmm. imagine, there. And I'll promote it on Facebook, too. Absolutely. Brother Murdo, thanks once again for taking the helm on this. I always look forward to it. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. You know, I, I, I share your enthusiasm because, as you've said several times, this will be yes. a tricky year in which to vote because there have been a lot of good comics released Absolutely. in 2016. All right, so <laughs> when I got here, I was doing some, some notes and things. I was trying. 
it took me a while to find a pen because somebody came in recently and cleaned up our uh, table in this in the studio. So now I'm having trouble finding what things. What the heck? It wasn't me this time. I didn't have the keys. It looks magnificent. It was our surprise guest, Shane. Oh, she got tired of all the crap. <laughs> oh, how right you are, Shane. I, I don't disagree. That's usually when I get to have had enough and I get in here and I clean it. Well, enlighten what you're talking about there, Adam. Oh, oh yes. Uh, we, we had a surprise visitor. Oh, well, well Shane did, I should I say. She, she, he was not apprised of her arrival. But, uh, Which is yeah. perfectly fine. Ah, uh, yes. Our friend Julie Benson, one half of the Benson Sisters duo who are writing the Batgirl and the Birds of Prey comic for DC, and just plain old friends of ours here at CGS, uh, Julie came in for a uh, six-day visit. Uh, spent half of it here in uh, the en- environs of Reading, Pennsylvania, and the other half uh, out in Philadelphia. Um, and uh, part of her uh, whirlwind tour of our <laughs> corner of the world was uh, a little visit um, well, to the CGS studio. Well, before that, though, um, uh, Brian over there arranged for a surprise. Well, it was supposed to be a surprise for both Julie <laughs> and Shane to meet up with each other at Shane's workplace, <laughs> but I uh, let the cat out of the bag to Julie. In my, in my excitement, I'm, I'm sorry, Pants. I did not read the email thoroughly enough, and then I just kind of blurted to Julie, who was sitting right next to me at the time. Oh, we're going to surprise Shane! And then. Uh, I didn't know that so, part. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. That was the high point of my week, man. I, Pants was going to bring a package by, which is not unusual. You know, yeah, see, I, Pants, I, had a, I had a legitimate excuse to come yeah, see you. That was the pretext. Every, every right. now and then, Pants and I trade <clears throat> books, comics, packages, whatever, yep, yep. Um, at my work because it's close to where we both work. Uh-huh. And it's convenient when he gets off work to stop by my work or vice versa. And um, I thought, yeah, sure. All right, no problem. And I get, I get um, Pants calls me, and I come up to the front to let him in. And I thought, well, there's another person there. But that's not unusual. There are other offices in my building so it's just somebody waiting to get in another place i'm like well adam's there that's weird god what happened hmm something must have happened if adam and pants are both here to tell me oh wait <laughs> no i know that other person wait a minute that's truly son of a gun <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was a that was a grand surprise that was absolutely fantastic got to talk for 15 20 yeah, minutes yeah, yeah. and uh yeah it was it was great uh, I, I, I just knew that would uh, would make your day with yeah. everything. So I'm very happy to do that. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she, she comes over here, comes in the studio, and says, "Where's where's where's some uh, some spray? I'm gonna clean this table off." Yeah, it. find me some paper towel. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, come on, just clean it. I mean, and honestly, God, it's, I've never seen it so. Yeah, clean I don't. Yeah, it's been a long time since it's been this clean. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I, I couldn't find a pen for like the longest time. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it was very nice of her to come and visit. Very good to see her again. And. Uh, like I mentioned in the last previous episode, that uh, the trade of Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, Volume 1, who is Oracle, has been solicited. Uh, it's due to be in stores April 5th, so it makes a perfect Easter gift. Yeah. Easter gift. But uh, both Julie and Shauna will be at C2E2 in Chicago, uh, April 21st, 2nd, and 3rd. Nice. They'll have a booth. Um, so if you want to bring your book by, they'll be happy to sign it. And now, now if you tell them that... Uh, that <laughs> Tell them that pants sent you to even draw a free sketch in your, in your book for you. Oh. Now, 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 that's not true, but I'd love to see the results. It's like, crap! So they, they draw mean stick figures. But, but anyway. One comment I want to make about Birds of Prey, uh, sorry to intrude for a minute, is that I just caught up on that title. I'm enjoying it thoroughly. I want to give uh, Julian Sean a props because I, you guys probably caught this, but one of the mafia families in the story is named D'Alessandro. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, and I, I was – it was just real, touch, real touching to see that, that yes. little shout out there. Yep. So well done. I, um, I did the same thing. So that was Friday when you all came to visit me at, at work. Mm-hmm. And um, I went home. I can't remember if I did it Friday or Saturday. 
but I caught up on everything Justice League through um, Suicide Squad versus Justice League issue one and two, mm. and then I reread the Rebirth and the number one issue of Birds of Prey, and then caught up on all of them all at one shot. That was a lot of fun. And I read I, what Chris is talking about. I'm reading along with Dallas Hunter. And, Wait a minute. And I go back and I'm like, son of a gun. <laughs> so that was, yeah, that was very touching. That was great to see in there. Um, but, yeah, absolutely fantastic series so far. Um, I, got a, I got a little bit behind, but it was, it was just as much fun to sit down and read it all at one lump. Boom. All right there. It was, it was great. Very well done. Very good. Very happy with how that story's going. Yeah. Me too. All right, and um, we actually recently—I think I mentioned later—that we actually got some presents in from our friend Eamon Clark. I'm sorry, Doctor Eamon Clark, uh, Caliban of the Forums from across the pond. So it's time to hand out. We're open up the presents. He goody, goody. always gets the nicest paper. Now, Chris, uh, we have for you here. We also have. I'll bring it to you, and we have our summit in a few weeks. We have something for, something for the Wild Pig Studio. Oh. Uh, we have something for for Danny. Wonderful. And then for Chris as well. And also we have some from Brian Deemer and his girls, Clara and Hazel. So we'll make yep. sure they get them all as well. And I have stuff for Ben and Matt, as always. It's very much appreciated. But uh, They always love when I bring the stuff home and explain. They see the packages and they say, is that from your friend over in England? <laughs> yes. They get all excited. First, I have to read the card. It's on a nice, oh. uh, nice Doctor Who TARDIS. Yum. And you open it up inside. It says, to all the CGS family, thanks for all the great listening. And Oh, my goodness. I thought my handwriting was bad. It's not, it's not bad. Uh, I guess in my eyesight. To all thank the, you for uh, the stuff. Your handwriting sucks. He is a doctor, remember? Uh, that's true. <laughs> to all the CGS family, thank you for all the great listening and for being the good guys in a year which needed all the help it could get. Hmm. Eamon Clark. Very Here's true. to a wonderful 2017 in comicdom. Amen, Eamon. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you. God, I love this paper. <laughs> so what was the paper? What we had I don't know, but it feels really good. How would you describe it? Mm. Um... Mm, Very thick texture. What's the what's texture? The, the pattern is what I'm getting at. Superhero-y stuff. <laughs> Thank you. We yeah, got booms, good. bams, bombs, our hero, bat symbols, Wonder Woman symbols, spider symbols, ray guns. A lot of little icons that look uh, like uh, copyrighted superhero images, but... Uh, Underwear. Not enough to be uh, <laughs> litigible. There's, and, there's, there's <laughs> skivvies on there. Is that, is, that, is that a word, litigible? I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> and uh, there's a pattern of Ben Day dots in the background. Ah, okay. As it to its... Feels its nice. Feel, yes. And we actually also have package here for the CGS studio. So let me open that one first here. It says, for the CGS studio, because every collection should have a copy, Hellblazer 27. Now, this has, oh. has to have significance. Okay, Chris, uh, go Chris ahead. Chris knows what it is. <laughs> Chris? Uh, hold me. No, no, I'm not asking for pants to hold me, although I would never <laughs> refuse that. I, I would as well, uh, but yes, it's... It is, that is one of the greatest uh, single-issue stories I've ever read in my life. Life as a Comic really? by uh, Neil Gaiman and Dave McKeon, right, Pants? That's correct. Yep. And it is a, it is a single-issue Hellblazer story they wrote in the, in the original Hellblazer volume. It's one of the most poignant and moving comic book stories I've ever read. Wow. Well, and I, Ms. Dr. Clark, I cannot thank you much because I have mentioned on the air before, uh, if you guys haven't read it, pass it around when you get a chance. Give it a read. It's, it's a classic. Well, I'm going to take it home with me and read okay. it and bring it back to the studio then. Who's up next? Uh, well, I've got mine out. Okay. Um, okay, I've got the first issue of six of a 2080 branded uh, comic miniseries called "The Grievous Journey of Ichabod and uh, of Ichabod Osriel okay. and the Dead Left in His Wake." Okay. And so it's pre hell will not stop him. <laughs> so yeah, it's um, 
Uh, it's by Rob Williams and Dom Reardon, and it's pretty clearly a Western. So, it's I, I like it for the name of the the name of the title character already, Ichabod Oswald. Um, and incidentally, the word I was trying to say there was litigable, as opposed to litigable. Easy for you to say. Yeah, <laughs> uh, not really. <laughs> Shane, what do you got there? I have an issue of the ongoing comic book sequel to the cult hick movie Dread, called Dread Uprise, by Arthur White and Paul Davidson. Issue two of two. <laughs> I have issue one of two. Nice. <laughs> we can trade. <laughs> awesome. All right, will you read that yeah, in Hellblazer? You, you take one and two. All yeah, right. You take one All and right, two. That's fine. I'll take the Hellblazer. Nice. <laughs> thank you very much. Yes, thank you, uh, Eamon. You are generous beyond generous. Here, here. And like and Chris, I said, I will get these to you and uh, to Danny when we see you in a few weeks for the CG Pantaloons. Oh, I'm looking forward Wild to that. Big Summit. Yes. All right. Well, does any? Oh, yeah. Yeah, another piece of mail. There, I got a, I got something in the mail bag. Um, it looks like a novel. The unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Squirrel meets world. What? A, a novel. A really? novel. Well, it's yeah, a novel. Prose. Sure enough. Huh. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is from Marvel Publishing, from Disney Publishing Worldwide, which is awesome. I love, love when they send stuff. Um, when Dorian Green, a.k.a. Squirrel Girl, found her way into the Marvel Universe, no one could have anticipated that a character like her, part human, part squirrel, with an eff- effusive? Mm-hmm. Effusive. Wow. Yeah. Optimism. And tenac- tenacious fighting spirit would make her such a phenomenon amongst comic book fans. But after destroying such villains as Doctor Doom, Thanos, and Galactus, to name a few, she truly earned the motto, Eats Nuts, Kicks Butts. <laughs> now from award-winning New York Times best-selling writers Shannon Hale and Dean Hale, Princess in Black series, Princess Academy, comes the Squirrel Girl story fans have been eagerly waiting. Or Dorian eagerly. Have been eagerly waiting. I thought you said eagerly. Eagerly. Oh, eagerly. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all right. I probably said eagerly. I should not make fun. That's all right. Doreen Green as a young teen. From tackling new kid at school fears to learning to make friends along with figuring out what being a squirrel girl even means, Doreen is going to find out how extraordinary it actually how extraordinary it is actually to lend God, even with my glasses on I can't read this. <laughs> Doreen is going to find out how extraordinary it is actually to lead an ordinary teenage life can be. That's great. Wow, yeah. I, I had no nice, idea they're making nice a Squirrel back. Girl prose book. That's that's crazy. That is awesome. Oh, that's awesome, yeah. Very good. You have something else there, Adam, as well? Oh, yeah, something else from the CGS mailbag. Oh, it's, it uh, so good. it's well overdue for a mention. It's been here since November. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, this was sent to us by uh, Matt Sheehan and Malachi Ward. And these aren't just, uh, like... Uh, unsolicited preview copies like Squirrel Girl here. These are things that were sent to us specifically uh, because the guys have actually been listening to the show for a few years, as the enclosed note reveals. Um, Yeah, they sent us uh, a couple of copies of their uh, graphic novel, uh, Ancestor, uh, which was originally uh, serialized in Island Magazines, an anthology series put together by Brendan Graham for Image and the... uh, uh, this uh, graphic novel is also out through Image, and it's about the uh, the stormy relationship between humankind and technology, and how it progresses in the future, and uh, how uh, steps are taken to uh, well, uh, reverse some of the uh, neg- negative developments in that relationship that'll happen in the near future. So it's a, it's a topic of interest to me as a technophobe. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, but in addition to sending us a couple, of, uh, two copies actually of of, the, of Ancestor, uh, they also sent us this great uh, drawing of the original Our Man, Rex Tick Tock Tyler. 
as assigned by Matt and Malachi down here on the bottom. Very nice. That's so a lovely piece of JSA artwork. Thank you, Matt and Malachi. Heck yeah. I forgot to say the the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl Squirrel Meets World book comes out February seventh. Okay, thirteen ninety nine hardcover in the U.S. Very nice. You say it smells good. It does. <laughs> good paper. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Well, again, you guys got to stop me. I'm going to keep moving on to, to other little tidbits. I hope you're going to bring up sometime that the story that you sent us saying it could be a good topic. What? The email you sent about this could be a topic to talk about. Well, yeah, that's on one of the things. Oh, yeah. Good. because. Ooh, boys well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> Shane is steamed. Hold, hold your horses there, Shane. Can I get something else first? You may. Is, is that all right with you? You may. All right. <laughs> so... Uh, just recently, uh, it was announced there will be a Rogue One, a Star Wars story coming to Marvel Comics this April. Nice. I hope it's all about that. Nice. Featuring story content not seen in the feature film. Uh, it's going to be, uh, it looks like a six-issue miniseries written by Jody Hauser with art by Emilio Lysso. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's a six-issue miniseries of the blockbuster film. Um, and, again, seen, things not seen in, in, on the big screen. Um I don't, I, I, I'm kind of interested because I, I did enjoy the movie. And, again, it, it's just boom. You're, you're right in there. You're mm-hmm. starting. There's a lot of stuff you could explore in more detail. I wanted to know a lot more about this story. And, and, and I started to read uh, – I got it for Christmas – the novel Catalyst that takes place before Rogue One. You know, I thought I heard about that. I think Demon might have mentioned he that did. at some point. Okay. Um, I, I'm not through it yet because I, I, I keep I, – I read it a little, for a little bit. Then I put it down and read some comics or I read something else that I got for Christmas, um, which I can talk about briefly. But uh, it, it, so far it's fantastic. It's got all the main characters in it that you see in Rogue One from uh, from the perspective of uh, uh, Krennic and Galen and their relationship, how they really came together to start – well, to continue the work on the Death Star that Galen ends up being responsible for. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's so far it's a very well written book. It's a lot of fun to read, and it's neat to have an insight to things that happen before and have a direct result that you see in the movie. Um, really, really well done. Probably one of the better Star Wars novels I've read in a long time. Now, did you get any of the um, Force Awakens comics when they came out? Um, I know there was a C-3PO one-shot, which I, I still haven't uh, read. I didn't read it yet. Uh, That's James Robinson and yeah. Tony Harris. And Tony Harris. Oh, so, wow. yeah. I, I, have it. I have to read that. I have to read that as well. It's a good little story. Gentlemen, um, may I make a suggestion? Yeah. Read that story before you do your nominations. Okay. <laughs> wow. Because it's, it's, it's that good. Okay. okay. Um, and there was the Shattered Empire miniseries that was out there. That really didn't – it had a little bit to do with it, but not a whole lot for The Force Awakens. Um, other than that, I haven't – I have all the Poe Dameron comics. I haven't read any of them yet. They're um, fun. They're a lot of fun. I'm, I'm a little bit behind on Darth Vader because I know that finished, so I have to finish that series. I'm a little bit behind on Star Wars main title now, and some of the minis I, I just haven't gotten around to reading. Okay. But I've gotten every – Star Wars comic that they've put out there so far. All right, because this this intrigues me, but I'm gonna have to do the math. Okay, six issues, you know, with the forty percent off versus maybe getting a trade at half off to see, because I can probably wait mm-hmm. for the trade possibly. Um, and, and it's an adaptation, so I know what happens in a movie. So I, I'm curious about this, but I'm thinking whether I'm going to get the issues. I'm using an issues guy anyway. Yeah, I yeah. might break down get the issues anyway, but you know, <laughs> just you know, do the math for that. 
All right, so Shane, now I'm going to get to the topic. Well, you, oh, oh, um, whoop, whoop, the other, whoop, the other whoop. thing I'll say before, oh, yeah, yeah, before yeah. we get to that, <laughs> um, I had one of the things I got for Christmas was a gift card to Barnes and Noble, mm-hmm. and I wanted it for a very specific reason. Um, I saw these when we were out in Pittsburgh. Chris, Dan had them on his shelf. Uh, a couple guys at work talk about them. They are big, gymungous. Um, Is that a word? Yes. You sure Make, it wasn't Hugh No. I like Jimungus. Um, <laughs> making of Star Wars, Empire, and Jedi books. But the books oh, yeah. themselves are like $60 a piece or more. However, what interests me was the one guy that I work with said he has the, the physical copies of these things for Star Wars and Empire. And they're great. But he bought a digital copy of Return of the Jedi for his um, iPad to read off of. Inside... The Jedi one, as he's reading page to page, it's also interactive. It has old news clips, interviews. It has video of different things that have happened through the production of Return of the Jedi. And they had that version for Star Wars and Empire. Well, I wanted to know which one he thought would be the best. And I kind of figured this would be his answer. I'm glad it was because it's the one I really wanted to get. But if he would have told me Empire was the one to get, I would have gotten it. He said, go with Star Wars. It tells the whole story of George Lucas and the entire formation of Lucasfilm and ILM, the trials and tribulations to get through all the um, the pitfalls of special effects, the studios with money, where they went, how they um, uh, tried to get it to every movie producing company around and people kept passing it. I'm about 70 pages according to the – app into it because it, the, ah. the pages are formatted differently uh-huh. than uh fantastically interesting to read um there have been two interviews from 1979 two th- two two to three minute clips of george lucas talking about different things whole bunch of pictures of different things um and later there's video of different things interviews and production stuff just a fascinating immersion of multimedia technology to read a book this way with these little clips and tidbits in there. Um, if, if Even if you aren't a huge Star Wars fan, so far, just in the uh, the three chapters I've read of, of it now, it's a fascinating look into movie making and things you have to go through and time timelines of how long it takes to do something like flesh out a script or negotiate with a studio who does what how they hired this person or that person uh, it's it's just a fascinating movie making experience and i i always thought i knew a little bit about movie making but this is like 10 times beyond whatever i've known um for for an interesting documentary kind of reading which i'm not big on reading just documentary kind of things um but yeah this is just a fascinating experience uh, and then every now and then you scroll through, you flip a page, and there's a little sound bite, and you hit that, and you just hear George Lucas from 1979 talk about something. <laughs> or you, uh, it's just I can't wait to see what else comes about with this book. And I actually thank the guy at work because I said what I've read so far. You're absolutely right. It's 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 fabulous to read. If you're any kind of interest in movie making in general, Star Wars specifically, this is this first one is just a spectacular book. And I'm sure Empire and the Jedi ones are just as good for different reasons. But but to read along with the formation of everything that started from him being done at film school and starting THX 1138, working with Francis Ford Coppola and um, getting American Graffiti started and different things that happened all around that whole time, just fascinating. So I, I highly recommend it. If, I never heard of it until uh, of them 
uh, until about a year ago, and I've been trying to figure out a way to buy at least one of them, and, and mm-hmm. this was a great way to do it. All right. Well, now I'm going to segue into what Shane was <sighs> waiting to talk about here. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, this news came down a little while ago. I'm reading this article off of CBR.com. The headline reads, DC Comics raises price for monthly rebirth titles, adds digital code. So let me get into a little more specifics of this here. <clears throat> then I'll say what I think is stupid. Okay, well, <laughs> you guys have the floor. DC Comics will raise the price of 15 of its monthly rebirth series starting in April, with cover prices increasing from $299 to $399. Along with the price increase, DC will offer download codes for a matching digital copy in the affected comic books, also starting in April, as announced via press release. Now, DC's twice-monthly rebirth titles, like, you know, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Green Lanterns, will remain at $299 per issue. Now, this is a full list of the series that will be seeing the price increase and or digital codes added. All-Star Batman, Batgirl, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, Batman Beyond, Batwoman, Blue Beetle, Cyborg, The Hellblazer, New Superman, Red Hood and the Outlaws, Super Sons, Supergirl, Superwoman, Teen Titans, Titans, and Trinity. Now, this move comes just two weeks after DC's main competitor, Marvel, announced that it will no longer include digital codes matching a purchased print copy, but instead include a code to download two separate comics from Marvel's digital library. And that's where you get the dumb part. All right. Well, I don't... I'm not into digital comics. Mm. I understand that that's a thing. And you just talked very eloquently about some of the features of digital books, mm-hmm. which I think if it did with comics it would be great. But since you, why don't you, since you were sort of so... So, <laughs> so here's, here's my thing. I, I love that Marvel has done a matching digital copy for their books since they started, whatever it was. Yeah. Was it with Marvel Now the Probably first time Marvel back now. in 2012? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, my Marvel side of buying has decreased as time has gone on, but I still get some. I get them because they are what their average price is three ninety nine. Well, cover I, price. I don't know about average anything about. It. I think that is their that cover is, price. Okay. If you can find one so, at three ninety nine for a thirty two page comic, yeah, right. More pages, more money. So I didn't mind mm-hmm. paying the four dollars for that book. Well, of course, we were getting them through DCBS, so they're cheaper. I don't mind doing that because I would get a matching digital copy. That meant to me that I can read the floppy if I so choose, or if I get to a point where I'm so far behind, and and again, I rotate my collection now more than what I think I ever thought I would have if somebody would have asked me this question when I was a kid. I never thought I would start getting rid of comics, and, and I do. And I have done that so voraciously because I have a digital copy to keep to read whenever I want. So if I want to get rid of them and I say to Chris, hey, I have two long boxes full of comic floppies. I don't want the floppies anymore. Do you want them? He buys them off me, sells them in his store. That's great. And I'm a grateful brother. And, and I still have my digital copy to read whenever I want. Because to me now, the reason I kept so many comics for so long was to have the ability to reread them. You know, well, yeah, now yeah, that there's, I know about that. Yeah. Now that there's digital <laughs> copies out there of so many things, I didn't feel the need to keep every single book anymore. So I started going through my collection for things that I didn't necessarily want to keep, but was excited when Marvel would give out digital copies with 
the purchase of a book for that book. I, I love it for the Star Wars books that have been out, for the X-Men books when I was reading more of those. Um, the idea of taking that away and giving me two comics that I may or may not like or could even care less about irritates the hell out of me. Because now that's not worth it to me. Because I will just wait for a trade to come out of that series or that arc that I want to read rather than buy the floppies because I know I can have the floppies for as long as I care to keep them and still have the digital copy as my archived read whenever I want, download and take 20 with me on my iPad source. If I'm not going to get at least, I'll even give them if they would keep, if they wanted to keep the price the same, give you a digital copy of the issue that you have and some other one that they're trying to promote. I get that. That's fine. But to give me two blind copies of something that I could or could not care less about, I don't feel the need well, to pay. Yeah, I, I can't tell whether that's blind copies or your choice. It to seems, that's what I was wondering, well, too. That, that's, it but reads, either way, I'm still going to your point there. It's it, not what you're... It reads to me like it's just two copies. Now, now again, maybe you're right. And if it is where you can choose a couple, maybe that'll be okay. Part of what I like about getting all these Star Wars books is because I have all the digital copies to them as well. So at some point when I inevitably will sell off the Star Wars comics that I have in the Marvel collection, I will still have all the digital copies. Well, now that won't be the, that may not be the case now. And if it's not, I don't feel the need to spend $4 for that book. I'd rather just get the trade or the hardback when they collect the story arc. That's just me. I know a lot of people don't feel that way. Some people are just like, well, forget it. I won't buy floppies anymore. I'll just go totally... Marvel Unlimited Digital. Some people, it doesn't even matter. They'll just get floppies and they help with the digital codes because they never used them anyway. That's all fine. I'm happy that DC finally took a step towards doing what I always loved about Marvel's digital code program, where DC books, you buy a certain DC book, you get a digital copy of that. My only beef with that is they were so adamant about their $2.99, and now they're not. For a lot of the books that are not the mainstream main uh, <clears throat> sellers of DC, I would say. But it, it's not bad. I'm. It's not going to change how I buy those books because out of those that are listed so far, I get Backer on the Birds of Prey, Titans, and... Um, oh, my God. What was the third one? Well, one of them. There was, there was, <laughs> there was a third one that I, that I... Oh, Blue Beetle. I was going to say. So those I won't stop getting just because of this because they're books I love. But... I will get a little more excited because even though I'm going to pay a little bit more, I now get a digital copy of that book to put somewhere in my archives so that if I ever have to get rid of books, I still have the digital copy. My only beef with that, with this current rebirth thing, is they started this now a year into it. So if I want me the whole series, I've got to go back and buy the previous issues, oh, right, which right. is fine. That, you know, that's just my own little neurotic nitpick about it. But I am excited for that program. But for them to come in and do this now and then Marvel to just announce that they're not giving you a copy of what you're buying, I'm like, ugh, well, that's fine. I'll just switch from getting less Marvel to getting more DC because now I can get a digital copy of some things that I may want to read but didn't care to get the floppies for. But if I get a digital copy with it, I'm okay with that. Like that, that That's probably more my own little <clears throat> neurosis about getting more bang for my buck than I'm spending because I like having – a digital archive collection of things. Mm -hmm. um, because I do carry my iPad around. If I do go on a trip, I might download 20 books to read at one shot, and I don't have to carry the books around with me. Don't get me wrong. I still have floppies. I still have got a couple thousand, and, and most of them are Justice League, and those things I won't ever get rid of. That's my wheelhouse. But everything else that I collect and read, 
is really up for grabs when I ebb and flow what I want in and out of my collection. And, and I'm happy to do that, and that's the way I've decided to collect my stuff. I have a finite space for floppies and trades alike, and when I get full, I've got to figure out what to do with them because I'm not expanding beyond this space that I have laid out. But I am disappointed that Marvel's doing away with the digital copy that is for the issue that you purchase. That seems odd to me. Yeah. My take on this is is I'm not buying. Well, I don't very I don't buy very many Marvel books, and I don't buy them for digital codes. And I'm buying only a couple of DC books, and I don't get them all. I get the physical copies, but the ones that I get copies for it, not to pay an extra dollar for something I don't want, the hmm. digital code. Right. Like of those titles, I get Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. I'm going to be getting Batwoman. Uh, I've been getting Titans, and I have been getting Superwoman. So now there's there's four books in there. That's four dollars. That's like an extra book a month on paper that I'm not getting. Sure. It's like ah, and, and and that's where my trade off will be. Well, that's just four dollars worth of Marvel books I won't buy anymore. Right. Because now I'll put it towards the money that I'm going to buy with my normal DC and stuff. Now, I guess I mean we knew this was going to come at some point, some sort of price increase. Mm-hmm. I mean, whole line two ninety nine was is a, is a, is a, very, is a is a catchy phrase. Oh yeah, but it's really hard to do. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really hard to do, and I understand there's economics behind it that are way above my my mm-hmm. my knowledge and so forth. But it's just. Oh, again, you know, looking at it from the surface, oh, great, that you're charging more for these comics. And something that you don't want. Right. Yeah. But so, I mean. And they already tried where they had two versions of it where you got a regular without the digital. And that didn't work so well because that all stopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I I thought you'd be at least have a. Now, Chris, do you do any digital comics at all? I do not, actually. Okay. Um, I, I still read floppies. Okay. So I have a question, actually. What um, when you when they Marvel gives you a choice, or we don't, we're not sure if it's a choice or not. That's are, that's what we don't know. If it's a choice, okay, that might be okay. I mean, I could probably and do some more research on it, but I haven't had a anything chance to I've look said. For that. It doesn't say anything other well, than. Mike, my, my question is: Do you can you choose? Can one of your choices be the book you bought, or is that just totally <laughs> off the table well, now? And, and if and if that's the case, hey, then then that resolves any trepidation i had with it and that's perfect i hope that's the case that's the best case okay let's see this is uh, this is another article linked in that article about them it says here the referring to the marvel stuff the plan is to offer readers extra content tied to a major marvel event or series from the past quote one of the free bonus digital comics offered in february will be Civil War 2 number 0 in time to promote the Civil War 2 collection on sale that month, says sales director oh Jim oh, Nosedas, N-A-U-S-E-D-A-S. Then, each week, new bonus digital comics codes available only in local comic shop will offer fans additional pathways into the Marvel Universe, promote Marvel's monthly trades, and create repeat ah, see, retailer see. customers and Marvel readers for life. All right, let me jump in here if I may for a moment, Pants, because I'm disgusted by everything you just read. Oh, I'm sorry. This is, this, is, this is the equivalent of, and Murd knows what I'm talking about here, when you buy yeah. the five ninety nine comic and half of it is just a promo piece for something that's coming out in the future. Yep. Oh, uh, yeah. From based on what you've read, Pants, it sounds like you have no choice at all in what, in what they're just giving you promo materials for forthcoming uh titles and and specials and so forth yeah and it says here at the very last sentence here marvel will keep fans abreast of which comics are included in the bonus digital comics program through weekly imprint and social messaging wow yeah okay now that i'm glad i went oh boy 
<sighs> well, all, all, all I'll say is this, and this is just from both as a you know a lifelong reader and a retailer. I'm more ha- I'm happier than ever that my business has gotten out of selling new comics except to reservists because to me every time I, I read about these contortions they're doing with the, you know the single issue format I'm just thinking okay so this is another lo- one part of the long gradual slow death row for this format and come to my store everybody it's all vintage comics at this point because that's where I'm having a lot of fun, and, I, and when I when I hear something so, 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 which is a pure cynical promotional move, at least DC is giving you some some bang for your buck here if they're going to to the model that, that they haven't done yet. The Marvel one to me, this is like oh, this is the, this is the equivalent of the five ninety nine comic. I don't want to buy or read. Uh, I have absolutely zero interest in everything that was just described. And and some people might like the fact that they can get something other than the comic they bought, and I get that. You know, if, if I buy an issue of Silver Surfer and it comes with a copy of the same comic I just bought, I get where people would rather have another comic. But if you're being force-fed certain issues to promote a past event or present trades or some tie-in that's coming, well, that's no better than just getting the same issue that I already bought, which I was perfectly happy with because I liked getting that issue that I just bought because that meant I could get rid of the floppy at some point and still have the issue to read somewhere in my world. Um, yeah, that that's mm-hmm. that's just nonsensical promotion to yeah, me. I do. Well, in common with Brian and Chris, I as you know, I don't read digital comics either, Shane. So I really feel the worst for you as a result of, of this, these announcements, because uh, you and I used to have a nice little arrangement where yeah. I would just oh, uh, yeah. forward to you <laughs> the, the digital copies of the Marvel comics I was buying that I knew damn well I would never use. Right, right. So it it, it felt it felt to me kind of like the the time honored and much beloved practice of trading comics sure. with friends, Absolutely. except none of the parties involved actually have to part with the comics they're trading. It's just just like, here, you have that comic, I have this comic, exchange digital copies, now we both have both comics. Yeah. So, and, but yeah, but, and now we can't do that anymore at Marvel, apparently, because we'll and, only be trading like promotional materials instead of digital copies of the comics that we actually bought. And I was perfectly happy even at times paying for that kind of stuff because a dollar of a download to me was made perfect sense. That's my sweet spot, man. You put up a sale of comics and they're a dollar a download... Yeah, I'd be willing to spend 10 bucks on 10 issues of something that I'm interested in reading or some event that I missed getting or, or didn't want to read and now someone said it's fantastic so now I could read that's a that's a that's a great um, model right there and no matter how you look at it from my perspective uh, of course I'm not in the business so I guess that's why I'm not in the business because I don't have what models they seem to be looking at um, but yeah that that just saddens me for what they're doing. But I'm happy DC's jumping in with what I thought they should have done way back when Marvel started theirs. So I, I would rather see it on other things. And I, and I don't want to say te- second-tier comics. That's not, what I, that's not what I mean by that, it, it, thinking in my head. I would have liked to have seen some of it be on a Justice League, a Batman, as well as some of these, not just exclusively these titles and exclude mm, yeah. all the big... Batman, Superman, yeah. Aquaman things. I wouldn't apologize too much for calling them second-tier titles, Shane, because yeah, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how DC regards them, too. And that's sad, because they're really good books. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff in there. And, and, what I would say, and what I would say to that, Shane, is, and I'm just making an educated economic guess here, is because they're second-tier titles that, that don't command the already infinitesimally small pool of readers who actually read single-issue comics, better they raise the price so they can actually keep publishing them than just ending all those titles because I'm sure they're they're read by 
a tiny fraction of an already very tiny reading population. Quite possible. So, uh, I mean, that's just an educated guess. And, and, and we're kind of a unique, um, a unique perspective there. For the most part, as much as we like some Marvel titles and books, the the three of us in the room, and, and Chris, I know, is more of a Marvel guy. But the three of us are really more DC readers traditionally. I know we've all read Marvel stuff. I've had a huge Marvel collection. I've had a tiny Marvel collection. Um, I, I ebb and flow with going between DC and Marvel just on how good or bad their storytelling is or things that interest me. There's nothing wrong with that. They themselves go through it when, when creating events in Marvel now and DC Rebirth and here's and whatever. That's, that's the nature of the beast. I'm just disappointed in getting something from DC and losing it from Marvel all in the same span of two weeks. <laughs> getting something and also paying a little more for it. Yeah, you see, that's um, I'm kind of in the in the boat that Brian is, and that I, I do read certain of these uh, formerly two ninety nine uh, published once monthly titles sure. from a deep uh, rebirth wave that are now going to be three ninety nine. It just it just means I'm going to be buying a little less in the way of DC comics. And and, and and I'm sure if I didn't have an iPad and I didn't read so much on it digitally already, I'd feel the same way because if I didn't have a way to do this, like I wouldn't sit here at a computer and read comics. The, the, the enticement for me to have digital stuff is that I could make it portable. And that only came about when I bought my iPad after selling a bunch of comics to buy it <laughs> because I couldn't do it on my phone. I, w- I wouldn't do it on my phone. It's too, I, didn't, I did not like – I tried it. I didn't li- did not like the panel-to-panel reading of a book. Uh, I still want to see a page. Well, sure. And, and that's what a, what, a, what a tablet gives me, the ability to see that page. I can blow it up because my eyes are getting bad. I can shrink it down to see different – like – I enjoy it. I don't like it in everything. I still like to read floppies. I still like to read trades. I still read Star Wars novels in a nice hardback book, <laughs> but I still read other novels on a digital format. I mean, I, it's whatever I like, and I know that's my own personal taste. Other people are all digital or all paper, and that's all fine. Just for me, this is a little bit disheartening for the direction that they're both going in the way they're doing it. Well, uh, I came across another article uh, this week. A lot of good articles coming out this week on somebody's website. This is from Newsarama, and the title of this article is, Is the Comic Industry Being Oversaturated? Uh, Retailers, Publishers Weigh In on 2017 State of the Business. Now, I won't go through the whole article because it is, it is quite fascinating, but here's, here's a uh, sentence from the beginning of the article. Over the last few years... The number of printed comic books being published and offered to retailers and being sold in a very limited marketplace has grown, yet overall sales have only been holding steady. I feel sometimes like overwhelmed looking at all of these comics that are out there, and I hear from, from you guys, from Chris, there are some great books I should be uh. reading. But it's like I just sometimes personally feel overwhelmed, mm-hmm. and it's like you know everyone's time is limited, their budget is limited. Mm-hmm. But this is an observation I've sort of had, and it goes into great depth in this article here. But what do you guys think about it? Is there oversaturation in the marketplace? Well, one thing I would say, and this is, again, is a purely an educated guess. I'm wondering if a lot of these titles are connected to the fact that creators are trying to get a movie option or a TV option for their particular titles. Um, And so they're going to try to ride that wave and, and hopefully be, gain something from it. Because let's face it, a lot of these comics are not going to make a tremendous amount of money off of them. Um, but if they can get secondary market merchandising, a film, television, uh, things of that nature, that, that, that can really, you know, I would imagine write your ticket to some degree. Uh, as far as the two main companies, I mean, Marvel Marvel's totally driven now by their movies. So 
every new title that comes out, every character, it's usually because it's somebody that's being featured in some form or another in their cinematic universe or Netflix, which, you know, I understand that. Again, I'll never buy into the whole crossover thing. I've rarely seen that in any great significance in 18 years of retailing in terms of, you know, the phantom wave of people coming to your store to buy these comics because they saw the movie. I, I just don't think it happens that often. I think it happens a little bit, but not to the degree it's often portrayed. Um, but those are just some, you know, just out-of-my-butt thoughts when, when, when it comes <laughs> to that. Well, the other thing I would say is that, and I mentioned this before, in, in terms of independent titles, I think this is a golden age. I mean, forget the big two. Titles coming out of Image, IDW, Boom, uh, Running the Dark Horse, running the list, a lot of other publishers. Outstanding fare. I mean, I'm not going to bore people out noise because I always mention a lot of the same titles, but I could list, you know, a gazillion books off the top of my head that I think are just cream of the crop when it comes to what the comic book medium uh, can accomplish these days. So, as a, putting on my reader hat and taking off my retailer hat, I'm so excited every week to pick up books because there's always great stuff. That's coming out by passionate creators who control their properties. I cannot mention enough, emphasize enough how important that is to what I consider a good story these days. Um, I've mentioned before how I'm, I'm getting worn down by the endless, uh, you know, uh, cavalcade of stories for certain properties because you know they have to perpetuate them because of their properties. And I, I, I find that a lot of the, the the major iconic heroes who I still love, I rarely read them anymore, and they're always at the bottom of my pile. Because I'm far more excited by the, just the bevy of uh, non-Big 2 titles uh, that are out there and that are just thrilling on, on so many levels. Especially because I find out that there's a story for any kind of genre you can, you can imagine. It's there now uh, in comics. And it, I think as a reader, it's a thrilling time. But I think Pants makes a good point. You really got to find the time just to pick through all this stuff. And just, you know, decide, what am I going to buy? Am I going to buy single issue, trade paperback, uh, digital? Go, just going through the previews as we do. I mean, we go through the previews on the show. We don't, we, we're, we, maybe we're lucky to talk about just a handful of the stuff we see in there because there's so much and you can't possibly address every item. And, and I, I, sometimes I feel bad about that because there's a lot of good stuff uh, in the previews. And there's garbage, too, because that's with any artistic <laughs> medium. But there's a lot of good stuff for, for month to month. Um it's an exciting time to be a, to, to be a reader. And now, part of part of my um, irritation with what you're talking about, pants the the overwhelmedness of looking at everything, and and DC is guilty of it, but I think Marvel is more guilty of it. Is the constant rebooting and recreating Ugh. of everything. Marvel's done it. It seems like they're almost at a six month cycle right now, um, where I'm I'm so lost in what has happened because. There's Marvel now, Marvel now point this, now new Marvel now, then shattered when now new. I, I, I just I, I gave up on a lot of it because I just don't care. I'd rather go back and get a good Doctor Strange trade that Chris mentions or a good Avengers trade we talked about on a on a spotlight or something that I haven't read because I know some uh, perspective on that book and the importance of it in the overall story of said character or characters that I haven't read that I'd still would rather go read that than try to figure out exactly what volume number and now point now that I'm supposed to read to be current because it's so convoluted to me anyway. And, and again, DC's done the same thing with their whole new 52 and now rebirth and things before that it, it does happen. But in the recent 
years, Marvel's more guilty of it than DC. And, and well, Shane, here's, I here's how I here's how I address Marvel because you guys mentioned. I, I mean, I love Marvel since I was a child. Uh, the reason why Marvel is usually my spotlight topic is I'm just extremely well versed in, in Marvel history and its characters. Although I, I, I did, I want to note to, to our listeners. I saw on the forums that people are asking for for more DC spotlights. They will be coming, ladies and gentlemen. I already have some ideas on that, and I'll confer with my brothers in arms here off the air about that down the road. Um, but what I do with Marvel now, Shane, here's a perfect example. The current Black Widow series by Wade and Samney, I think Pants has been reading that, is absolutely tremendous. And all I look for is, okay, who is writing these books? What creators are working on them? And when I see Mark Wade's name, I don't care if, if, he, if it's his grocery list for the week. I am picking up that comic and because I, I know that it's going to be great. For example, his Avengers – he's doing an Avengers miniseries with the great Barry Kitts and the JLA Year One team reunited where they're – it's in between the panels of Cap's kooky quartet when it was Cap, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, and Hawkeye – when they changed the team, the Ross for the first time in the, in the Silver Age, and it's stories in between the Silver Age stories. It's, it's phenomenal. I, I mean, it's, it's everything you want in a Marvel comic. So what, I, what I'm doing now is all the stuff you're describing, Shane, I'm ignoring all of it. Like, I, I really don't care because – and someone on the forums made a good point. Forgive me. I forgot who it was. They, 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 I thought they put it very well. They said Marvel's not giving their characters any a chance to breathe at all. No, no, they're not. Like, there, there's no there's – no, and I'm not even – forget even continuity at this point. I'm just talking about – Getting to know a character because they're constantly shuffle, you know, shuttling them from one event to the next and one crossover to the next. And I go, oh right, okay, oh Saka's out, great. Like I just don't care anymore because, again, it, it's that perpetuation. I get it from a business standpoint. It's a perpetuation of, of the property of, of, of whatever it is they want to achieve. But you know, call me antediluvian. I just don't. Care. I don't want to read any of that anymore. Call you what? Uh, antediluvian. Um, I'm sorry. Old-fashioned, old fashioned, you know, antiquated. Ancient. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. And the Latin yeah. phrase meaning before the flood. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mert. Sometimes you got to dumb it down for pants, okay? Not, not, not the only one, pants. <laughs> pants, pants, I'm always happy to edify. <laughs> Thank uh, you. But, but uh, that's – so when, I, when I'm reading Marvel now, Shane, like the, the t- Marvel titles I read right away are titles like Power Man and Iron Fist by uh, Walker and Green, which is tremendous. Black Widow. Uh, tremendous. A lot of a lot of the characters that are not like the huge, you know, top tier in the forefront characters, sure. be- because it just again, it just seems like those creators. I, I could be just guessing here. I, I, they just seem to have a little bit more room with what they're doing. There's just seem to be a little more innovation here. The best example, period, is the Vision. The Vision, I think, is the most innovative series Marvel has done in years. And, you, and because it's it's the Vision, the Vision's a great character, but he's not like he's not like Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man. And Tom King, I'm, I'm guessing, was given the room to tell his story. And you know what? It's an Eisner quality story, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it, it's it's one of the most exciting Marvel titles I've read in years. Well, and and, and because it, I'm sorry, one more point. I apologize because it's it wasn't bogged down in all of the stuff that you're describing. I mean. I think Deadpool's a fun character. I enjoy Deadpool. Do I care about the gazillion Deadpool titles that come out every month? I, no, it's just it's that. See, when I think about saturation, that's what I think about now with with, with new comics. And yeah, I, I, it must be working because they keep doing it. I guess if they're not, I don't know what kind of business model that is, but I guess it's working because they keep doing it. So they must be making enough money at it. Um, but 
for my little, you know, itty bitty, you know, hill of beans, as pants would talk about, <laughs> uh, it just it does it just doesn't do that much. I mean, for me anymore. When I was a kid, like growing up in the eighties, like or the and even reading comics in the nineties, a crossover was exciting. Like Age of Apocalypse, oh, that was exciting. That was brilliant. because you felt like that meant something. Like mm-hmm. there was real meaning behind that story. There was impact. There was significance. It reverberated long past after it was over. Now you go from one crossover to the next, to the next, to the next, and I'm just like, oh. a lot of them just don't feel like they they just mean that much. And when when they're three ninety nine, four ninety nine, and if they don't really mean that much, who cares? When and and to piggyback on that with with what you're talking about reading, especially now with this whole digital announcement, I'm more inclined to put whatever title I am interested in on a little list I keep of what trades I want to get eventually and go at it that way because everything for the most part is written for the trade anyway in six issue arcs. So if the Marvel stuff is going to be in, if it's going to take away that, that digital part that I enjoyed the way I enjoyed it and they're going to continually just event after event after event and new character, new character, new character in a way that I don't appreciate then what is interesting to me, like the Black Widow or the Avengers that you're talking about with Mark Waite, that goes on a list to get the trade when it comes out because I know inevitably that trade is going to come out. And if it doesn't come out, then two, three years down the road, I'll find in bargain back. Shane, Shane, the trade will come out. (laughs) It's going to come out. Have faith. But, But if it doesn't, I can always go to a dollar bin and pick up books a year after the fact or two years after, whatever it is. I just keep my little list of things that interest me and I will get them when they're cheap. And I'll one other your, point to make about that is yeah, yeah, right. the, the, I want to reemphasize when we talk about, you know, when I talk about a golden age for a reader, yes, I'm, I'm referring more to a lot of the independent, more independent properties, but there's a lot of great Marvel and DC stuff out there too. Oh, there is. And, and there's a lot of great creators working on all these properties. It's just, you just have to, kind of move through a lot of stuff to find what works for you and what and what suits your taste um and and, you know uh, for me i'm speaking for me personally the large sort of overarching events for the most part there's some exceptions for the most part just don't really excite me that much whereas a series like black widow which is just it's wade and samney just at the top of their game um that's that's as good comics as anything else uh that's out there you you just got again Go back to Pants' original point. Let's 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 say you're in you're in, the, in front of that imaginary massive comic wall at a, at a shop, and you're looking at all the different titles. You're going through previews. You just need time just to figure out what do I want to try. Yeah. Um. And it's I guess I guess one could argue it's great to have too many things to choose from than just a couple things, and everything else is just sludge. So I mean, this is not the '90s, ladies and gentlemen. There's a lot of great comics. Uh, that are out there right now with a lot of great creators. I mean, anytime Brian Wood writes something, I don't, I don't give a damn if, it, if it's about him changing the oil on his car. I'm going to read that book because I've yet to read anything by that man that I don't think is just outstanding. Mark Wade is another example. We, we, we've talked about Archie on this program before and how entertaining uh, that's been. Again, shout out to David Walker and Sam Green. Power and Iron Fist is just magnificent. And I've praised that book many times in the year. Uh, there's, there's a lot of good stuff. You just got to... It's a matter of time. It's a matter of what your budget is. And, and I don't That's, begrudge you know. anybody that likes any of the stuff. If you like all the stuff that Marvel's putting out there and you're into the, the constant revamping and, and renumbering of series year after year, hey, that's great. Like what you like because Lord knows I'm not one to say 
what what I think people should and should not tell me to like. You know, I like what I like. So yeah, you like you like what they're doing. That's great. I have I have nothing but admiration for you. If you enjoy reading it, hey, better to read it than not. So hey, have at it. It's just not my thing anymore. And and I just think in that way it's um, saturation because I don't know where to. I'm to the point where we always talked about. People who would pick up Detective Comics number 455 going, well, God, do I have to read all of them to get to this point? <laughs> that's, how ah! that's how I am with all these number one. Well, God, do I even need to bother with the series before? Because now there's a new number one, and it doesn't seem like that other stuff matters. But it had a good creative team, so maybe it's good. I'll just get the trade. Because Actually, Shane, where for, certain type, for certain titles, it really does matter. A great example I would give, but again, it's, all, it's always been the same writer, is Jason Aaron's Thor. Uh, and I consider Jason Aaron one of the best writers in comics right now. Hint, hint for 2016. <laughs> and his he's been writing Thor now. How many years, Pants? Three, four years, you'd say? Uh, since 2012 in September. Okay, so, yeah, there you go. Thank you. Years. I knew you'd know that. Thank you. And it's Shane, it's been his vision. Now, as you've noted, the volumes have changed a couple times. Mm-hmm. So that can be tricky sometimes yeah. when you're doing some trade or back issue shopping. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But if if you know what to look for... His entire vision of Thor from when he started with Odin's son through what's going on now with the female Thor has been seamless and consistently outstanding. So again, I go back to my original point, follow the creator. And I don't think you'll be disappointed. So pluck my invisible strings with quiet dignity and grace. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, it's time for our trivia segment here on the show, Muddle the Murd. Let's jump right into it. Actually, but what they're playing for right now, we haven't had uh, a prize prize to give out quite a while. So I gathered, went down next on the list, we're going to give away two pieces of art from our uh, anonymous art club because the first piece is not quite finished. The first piece we're giving away is a Katie Cook sort of work in progress. This, I believe, uh, Shane, is uh, Ahsoka Tano. Oh, Ahsoka Tano. So, Such a great character. So The uh, Star Wars, the Clone Wars animated series. Yes, and I could tell you more, but I'm not going to because right. I don't spoil things. So that's, we're giving that away because <laughs> it's not 100% finished. We're also going to give away so awesome. a Grant Gould sketch uh, from Wolves of Odin. So both of these prizes could be yours if you murder the murder. And uh, our contestant for this episode is, speaking of Marvel, Mr. John Morrissey. Oh, yes. Big John the Marvel Man on the forums. That's correct. Yes, all right. So I'll uh, prepare an envelope uh, with which to mail these things to Big John at well, no expense. You, if, you, if, you, if you're muddled, he goes, greeting CGSers. It's time for me to take, and this is back from May of last year, so it's sort of been in our queue for quite a while. It's time for me to take a shot at muddling the murd. In truth, I'd be happy if I managed to stump the great one on just one of three questions. Without further stalling, away we go. Question one, DC 1970 to 2000. Kilowog is renowned throughout the Green Lantern Corps as the primary trainer of the Corps' recent recruits. Of the, I'm sorry, of the Corps' newest recruits. Mm-hmm. New recruits. Kilowog is originally from which planet? Bolivax Vic. Of course. Come oh. on. That was the tip of my tongue. It's like, I knew this question. I knew this. Oh, my God. <sighs> Thank you, John. I can't. Uh, anyway, so. Well, I might as well just keep going on anyway. Yeah, question two, independent 2000 to present. This, the sixth gun centers around a set of six pistols, each imbued with dark powers. The guns are numbered. 
to whom does the titular sixth gun belong? <laughs> the devil himself. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, Chris, you know this answer by any chance? I do not, my friend. Okay. Becky Montcrief. Okay. See, the Sixth Gun is a series I've never read. Uh, it's among the early works. I think it was like how Cullen Bunn's Cullen Bunn, uh, right. uh, rapid ascent to fame was with that series. But it's something I've always wanted to check out. And I'm sure I'll read all about Becky Montcrief or whatever her name was <laughs> as soon as I, I get around to doing that. Okay. All right, then. Question three, Marvel pre-1970. So actually, he did sort of get you on one of the questions. So he's happy. Okay. <laughs> Question three, Marvel pre-1970. Anyone who follows Marvel bullpen gossip closely knows that Stan Lee's brother, Larry, was the one who came up with the name for Thor's enchanted Uru Mallet. The question is, in which title did the name Mjolnir first appear? Oh, really? In mm. which title? Hmm. Well, the obvious answer, of course, is Journey into Mystery, but... Okay, that's... There, there might have been some kind of Thor tryout story that I don't know about. All right, so possibilities are Tales of Suspense, Tales to Astonish, Strange Tales. Um, I'm going to go with Strange Tales. This was a bit of a trick question because I hope that it was tempting for her to go with Journey into Mystery. So it was. Given that Thor's earliest stories appeared in issues 83 to 125 of that title. Another tempting incorrect response would have been The Avengers. The correct answer is the Mighty Thor. As you all know, the new name for Journey to Mystery with issue number 126. Okay. Correct. Yeah, see, I, I shied away from that for the same reason I shied away from Journey into Mystery. But out-thunk myself. All right, well, but hey. myself into a corner. You were not muddled. I was not. But and John got you on a couple of questions. Two out of three. So he's happy. Yep, he's twice as happy as he'd <laughs> hoped to be. So <laughs> thank you very much for making that interesting for me, John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for continuing to listen. I know he was one of those who was very happy with our recent uh, Marvel Cosmic Triple Action episode. Yes. A couple of things I have here on the docket, if you will. Did you guys see that Batman and the Flash will watch The Watchmen in a new crossover storyline? Yes. The oh, Button. Really? Cannot yes. wait. The Button, uh, going through Batman issues 21 and 22, and The Flash 21 and 22, talking about... The terrific. mystery of the uh, now I'm I'm not convinced about how thrilled I am about the Watchmen being in the DC universe, but I like that Batman and Flash are teaming up. Yes, that should be a lot of fun. Um, written by hmm, Tom King, of course, with the the Batman and artist Jason Fabok will do the Batman titles. Oh, wonderful! Joshua, top shelf creators. Yep, Joshua Williams and artist Howard Porter oh. will be the creative team on the Flash Yay. part of the crossover. Yay. I'm getting all the Flash books. I'm a little behind in that. But I've been looking forward to some sort of, as I think probably many people have, some sort of continuation yeah. of what was hap- what was we were given in the rebirth. I agree with um, that. I've lost track. Is that, was, that, was that a year ago now? That, well, that came back yeah. out in Memorial Day mm. weekend of uh, okay. 2016. Yep, so it's, it's creeping up on that. Yep, coming up on that. Well, you know, it was it, eight months. Mm-hmm. So I'm very much looking forward to this crossover because I'm well, actually – Go ahead. And, and and because that that happened eight months ago, not only do you have the mystery of what's happening with the Watchmen, who we all know what that button meant. I mean, all the readers and every, everything. You also have some other mysteries that have come about throughout the eight months for various other characters and titles um, that I am personally interested in. I'm not going to say what one is because I don't want to spoil it for anybody who may not have read about this one character. So. 
Um, I've been following Titans and I've been following the Batman titles. Not all of them, but but most of them. I like the Superman title. There, there are just things cropping up that interest me that that this could potentially start to drive the next big segue mm, yep. of the story is little, exciting to me. Little hints here and there as to the constructed nature of reality Yeah. in post-Flashpoint DC. Yep. So, yeah. yeah somebody tweeted at us that uh, Tom Zim said, I have a question from Titans number seven. There's a guy at the end. He's got a question about it, and I haven't read issue seven yet of Titans, so I can't answer it. But I'm wondering if that has any sort of tie-in to the whole yeah, Watchmen it, thing. I'm sure it does. Shoot. Yes, I know I have that issue at home. I think I just read that issue. Not, I think that might have been a, a, a Flash Superman race issue, if I'm not mistaken. You know, like racing like they always did in the past. And I think it actually has had some Lee Weeks artwork, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, huh. So, looking forward to reading that. But, yeah, I'm, I actually am not getting the Batman title. When they did that first crossover with the Monster Man, I said, okay, that's it, I'm out. And but yeah, I skipped that, too, but I, I hopped back I, on afterwards. I, see, I, I, I didn't hop back on. I, I did hop back on, yeah. also. I, I couldn't help. I think I Am Suicide was next, and yeah. that was Batman recruiting a team of bad guys, which included Punch and Julie and the ventriloquist, the original Arnold Wesker yep. ventriloquist. That was a fantastic <laughs> story until I get to the one issue where Batman's writing the letter to Catwoman. And I'm not so sure how I feel about that issue. Well, there's a whole thing, I guess, which just came out uh-huh. recently, issue 15, which I've seen all the interwebs about the bat and the cat. Yep. So, but, yeah. I, but, I, but I'm enjoying the title. I, I did, you know, I, I might even have most of them, but I, I, I did read through, even though they didn't make much sense, I did read through the two Batman issues of The Monster Men Come. And, of course, the first part is the first Batman issue, so that one made sense. I really could have cared less about the rest of the crossover part of that. So I just went right back to I Am Suicide and read from there and caught up with all that. Okay. Gentlemen, if I may, if I may interject for a moment, because I have to leave uh, shortly, I apologize for that. Sure. Um, I just wanted to wax nostalgic for a minute, because today, while I was doing some uh, laundry, I hadn't watched it in such a long time. I put on Superman Returns. Okay. And I just wanted to know quickly what you guys thought, only because we haven't talked about the movie in years, and I know a lot of people kind of look down upon it, and I found myself enjoying it thoroughly. I hadn't seen it in, in such a long time, um, but because I'm such a, I, I'm, as we know, I'm, I'm a rabid fan of the original Christopher Reeve film, which I still consider the greatest comic book adaptation film it, for me. That I, when we did our top five with Tom King a couple of years ago, that was my number one choice. And, you know, this movie is really just a love letter in many ways and sort of a sequel to that original film. Sure. And I just found just enjoying thoroughly just how they interwove the the, the music and some of the plot points from the original. And I I just – I found myself thoroughly enjoying the film. I hadn't seen it in such a long time. And I'd almost forgotten what a great Lex Luthor Kevin Spacey uh, is in that film. Mm -hmm. That's why I know quickly what you guys thought. I don't know if if you've seen – if you also haven't seen it in years, but – I, I found myself affected by it. when he goes up above the earth and he's hearing Jarrell speaking to him about how you're alone and I sent you that you to Earth and uh, I I just found the movie really captured the isolation of being Superman uh, quite effectively. The creepy looking into their house I still don't think that works at all. But um, otherwise I, I think it's, it's I think it's a, a pretty damn good movie. What do you guys think? Just quickly before I have to head out here. Well, there was a CGS special episode on this uh, movie review way back. In the pre-pants era, uh, July of 2006. <laughs> really? July of 2006. Wow. So I don't 
it wasn't on the episode, but huh. uh, I mean, I, I don't have much. I just it's been so long since I've seen it. Uh, I don't actually own it on the home video mm, at all. Um, I do. I, I remember just it, it was. I enjoyed it for what it was. I didn't think too deeply into other aspects of it because like, there, there was a child involved in there. I, yes, I, I have my I, that, that. Don't I remember that? I don't think it bugged me, but I thought it was kind of interesting at the time. I a child I, that happened to have superpowers, or so it appeared. Right. I right. have my misgivings about the child part of it, but for the story that they're telling of father to son, father to son, that part does kind of make sense. I enjoy the movie quite thoroughly. I think it's, like like you said, Chris, I think it's a great love letter to what came before. I think Kevin Spacey is a great Lex Luthor in, oh, yeah. in the Lex Luthor that you get as being this real estate tycoon, not the mad scientist, not the maniacal businessman. He is just a ruthless real estate tycoon. Well, when, when he shivs in with the kryptonite, I was like, oh, he's that's, Lex, that's Lex Luthor. Um, just the, the hatred. I mean, that was fantastic. I think, um, I think what's his name? Oh, my God. Brandon, Brandon, Brandon Ralph, Ralph. Mm-hmm. plays a great Clark Kent, a little bit better than he plays a Superman. And I didn't have problem with him being Superman. I thought he was quite good, but he does play a better Clark Kent than he does Superman to me. Mm. Um, yeah, well. But but I enjoyed a lot of that movie very thoroughly. And I still do. I mean, I, I haven't seen it probably in six months to a year, mm. but I have watched it multiple times since I've got it on Blu-ray or whatever I have it on. Mm. I haven't seen it in ten and a half years because okay. uh, I, I was I was on that movie review episode. Okay. I'm, I'm getting a, I, w- I was participating by phone from Stone Harbor. Mm-hmm. I remember getting a little frustrated with Jamie and Brian Deemer because they were agreeing with each other that Superman is at his best when he's suffering. And uh, there are a few things that Jamie has said uh, that with which I disagreed more strongly. You know, <laughs> I still love him like the brother, but uh, as a brother, you know, brothers don't always see eye to eye. Um, yeah. Um, I, I did not like the movie at the time, which is one of the reasons why I haven't seen it since uh, we went to see it. We went to see it at I'm, in IMAX, That's actually, correct. The, uh, in Norristown. It, it was a, a free comic book day? It was, yeah. We I don't a, think I was there for that one. I think I couldn't make it. Yep, we made a big crawl out of it, visited a few different yeah. shops, went to a sushi buffet, <laughs> and then we saw Superman Returns. Hey, wait a minute. I think I was I was with you guys, because I remember the sushi and everything. I guess I wasn't on the show at that time. Mm. Yeah, no, I was, I was, okay. That's yeah. possible. This is very yeah, early I, days. Yeah, that's why. Right. I, I was on that, that trip. Remember, you were driving, and Brian didn't care for your driving, Adam. I just Brian didn't care for it. Matt didn't care for it either. I remember that distinctly. But yeah, I remember sushi at the, yeah. not being there, because I never made it to the sushi place that you guys visited quite often. Anyway, I'm sorry. I just, I just no, no. When you said sushi, oh my god, I remember the sushi. It was ten and a half years ago. I remember the sushi. That's all I remember, brother. <laughs> <sighs> it was good sushi, and there was a lot of it. But yeah, it's... <laughs> As to the movie, um, yeah, 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 you're right, Chris, in that uh, Brian Singer was uh, a dedicated fan of the uh, of, of the Richard Donner and Christopher Reeve series of films. But as far as it being a love letter to those films, if it is such, it was a creepy, uh, sociopathic, uh, unhealthily fixated stalker's love letter to them. It's <laughs> it felt to me like a like a Frankensteinian resurrected mismatch of dead body parts of those uh, original films. God, it's like it managed to <laughs> replicate the form and structure almost slavishly of, of those films, right down to specific quotations from those movies. But but none of the joy, none of the vivacity, none of the hope. And just Superman is just kind of reduced to this... I mean, you're, you're right, Chris, about their capturing the isolation of Superman, but uh, the way in which they captured it didn't sit well with me. I mean, maybe we could see Superman just kind of brooding a bit up at his fortress at the top of the world and then putting on his game face and going out and uh, 
uh, just putting on a braver face in public as he's saving the world instead of just uh, hovering outside of Lois and her husband's window well, and spying on them. Yeah, that, that didn't sit any better with me than it did with you, Chris. No, I, I agree with that. And, and, I, and, I, and I like the movie more than, than you do, and, and I agreed. Like, when I saw that scene again, I, I, just, remember th- I just thought, my God, what, like, that's not Superman. Like, he's invading these people's privacy, and, mm. and that really struck me. Now, that aside, because I just watched it just today as I was just doing housework, um, I, I found myself still enjoying it for all the other reasons I mentioned. And I, I also found it interesting when I thought about Man of Steel, which came out, I don't know, I think seven years later, something like that. Um, again, also a very different tone and, a, and, and, and in some ways a lighter tone, but also a very darker tone, especially the disaster porn at the end of that hmm. movie. Um, so it's just interesting how where like the Superman movie property has gone uh, in like the post-Reeve uh Sort of, you know, era. It just, I, I'm just interested to see where they're going to take the character uh, in the future. Because, Murray, I see your point. It's the Superman you're describing—that's not this Superman. And I think in any of these recent uh, movies, and, and there, you know, I think there are pros and cons to that. But it's just interesting because, and I'm so glad we had this little nostalgic moment with the sushi, and <laughs> you know, that's what I was counting on. But I just want—I wonder know, what you guys thought because I—I I don't think I've ever talked about the movie with any of you. I was just curious to know, just just quickly, what. What you guys thought of it? Because uh, there's a lot of elements of it that I really found myself m- moved by and, and, and enjoyed thoroughly, especially Kevin Spacey. Well, I will say this, so. Chris. Next to Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice, it's looking great. <laughs> <laughs> Brothers, on that uh, magnificent note, I must leave you for some familial duties. All right. Uh, I hope to see some, if not all, of you uh, in a few weeks for our annual winter retreat. Yes. Can't wait, Chris. Looking forward Indeed. to it. And. Uh, Love you, Shane Aru. And, uh, and uh, brothers, I will uh, talk to you all very soon. All right, Take care. Chris. All right, good night, my friends. Have a good night. Right, good night. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs> uh, let's see, I had a couple other little things here. Have you guys seen uh, anything about the Legion live-action TV series? Yes, I've Le- seen two trailers. As in Legion of Superheroes? No, no. I'm sorry, as in Legion... Oh, uh, of X-Men. X-Men. Oh, yes, yes. yeah, I've, I've seen a number of commercials on... You know, I watch FXX fairly often for the Archer reruns, and yes, that is a series I will definitely be watching. Yeah, I'm going to te- yeah, check that out, too. I know a little of the character from when we they had a Marvel Now. He was one of the first Marvel Now... Issues. It was called. Yeah. What was it called? X Men Legacy. Thank you. And that's I had a mini disagreement with John Suntress about the appropriateness of that title. <laughs> yes. That he could have just called it like Legion or Legion Quest or something. You know that that's another uh, trademark that Marvel needed to keep active. Mm-hmm. And that's really the only reason why they called that which, that series, which was basically a Legion solo series, X Men Legacy. Right. Just to keep that title trademark active. But yeah, it looks like it's coming out on uh, Fox in February, and I, I've pretty much. I think I might have seen a few commercials doing some of the football games mm-hmm. uh, and just didn't pay attention to them. But I see Arby Plaza is in it who, okay, uh, you got my attention now. <laughs> Easy on the eyes. Absolutely. Um, I, th- I think the actor who's playing Legion was in Downton Abbey. I have to check oh that. Oh, my God. Really? I, I want to <laughs> say he was – I, I don't want to say – Dan Stevens. I have to look it up. Well, I'll look it up right now um, as we go through. Because I don't want to say who it was because of what happens to this character in Downton Abbey. People who did you watch Downton Abbey? I did. I watched the whole thing. Yeah, yeah we're fish I was, uh, All right. Fascinated. It, <laughs> it, it grew a little bit long on me by the yeah, last he wasn't, Yeah, he wasn't Downton okay. Abbey. Right. Hey. So, okay. Oh, wow. That's, that's why I was going to – I I wasn't going to – not that I wasn't going to watch it. Of course, I was going to at least try it. But when I saw he was in it, I'm like, ooh, I really liked him in Downton yeah. Abbey. I'm going to 
watch this a little bit more enthusiastically now. Yeah, I, I came across an article on the Nerdist. The article says, Legion will blow your mind like no live-action X-Men has before. And they review it, and they give it like five out of five. Five out of it five just, burritos what they give it. It just looks, <laughs> it just looks really good. Yeah, right. it looks surreal, outre. I mean, it looks like it came sprung right out of the minds of, uh, of, of Bill Sinkevich. Yeah, there's, so. there's, there's one shot of like a statue of a frog smoking a cigar. It's like... <laughs> It's uh, that, yep. that's just as kooky and random as uh, one would expect a Legion series to be. In the well, I'm going to give that a shot, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. starts uh, early February on the FX network. Oh, but oh, so it's not on Fox? It's on FX? Oh, I think it's, it's on, on FX. FX. Ah, son of a gun. I don't have... I, don't have I do! Basic uh, cable! I, yeah. I, I know you've got cable. It's like, <laughs> I have that too. I, I, I canceled it months ago, and I'm thinking about maybe getting it back. So I missed some things. But yeah. then I'd watch... Too much TV, not too much TV. It isn't even the house. That's not your problem. Let's go on here. Um, so I saw this today. This is a hot off the presses today. This tickles my fancy. Again, it came off of the Nerdist. Gilmore Girls meets Murder, She Wrote. I read that today. An epic comic crossover. <laughs> yes, saw that. This was a one-page story. It's, uh, is it nine panels here? What it looks like, uh, yeah, nine panels. Written by Brian Michael Bendis. This is as a gift for, for somebody. Uh, let's see if I get the details of, of, of the gift Christ. Somebody who works, I think, for Dark Horse. Got it for his wife. Drawn by Mike Norton. Colored by Dave Stewart. It's like, wow! Yeah. This is amazing! Wow. One of a kind collectible that yeah, is. The, uh -huh. the comic book page was gifted to Elizabeth by her husband, Scott, a Dark Horse Comics editor, and her son. This is tremendous. Awesome? It, it, it's, it's, it's in continuity. It takes place sort of like in between season one and season two when uh, she goes on a, on, a, on a trip. And she meets Jessica Fletcher? Well, she, she headed up northeast from, you know, Stars Hollow. And it's witty. It's funny. It's, it's Bendis Norton. And, oh, my God. This is crazy. Yeah. So I saw it today. I said, wow, that is really, really awesome. Mike Norton goes all out for gifts. Uh -huh. I think it's what he, as I saw on Norton's um, Facebook feed, he posted that just a couple hours ago. Yeah, yep. and you know he just uh, he finished penciling the last issue of uh, Revival. Revival. Yep. yep. Uh, and I still didn't binge that yet. I, I got to binge that so I can get you know read everything and not spoil by anything because I have all the issues. I'm buying them all to support Norton because I'm supporting Norton. Right, right, right. <laughs> and you know, fell off in the maybe like around like issue ten or whatever, but I keep buying it and. Uh, Oh yeah, that, that was pretty damn cool. Uh, and anything else? I'm, I'm sorry, I monopolized so many of the topics. You guys, I think no, guys, hey, are you monopolize away. Those were fine topics to talk about. Um, other than I'm thrilled, I sat down this weekend and took some time. All, all, every, every waking free second I had when I wasn't doing something or, or or even just hanging around the family, I dedicated to catching up on certain things. So, like I said, I caught up on Becker on the Birds of Prey, Batman, uh, all the Justice League stuff. Just a lot of fun to be able to sit down and read six issues at a shot without freaking out about not getting to read comics. So I had a good weekend to, to do that. That was fun. Excellent. All right. I guess that's it. We'll wrap it up. Call it a day. Call it a night. Sure. All right. Fair enough. All right. Uh, let's give an extra vote of thanks here, though, to our sponsors, uh, the Collection Drawer Company. Visit CollectionDrawer.com to find out all about them, about their signature product, the Drawer Box Storage System, and what it can do for you and your comics collection. Absolutely. Visit us at ComicGeekSpeak.com. To send us an email, the address is ComicGeekSpeak at gmail.com. 
To leave a voicemail, the number is 267-702-6642. Stop by thecomicforums.vanillaforums.com. Let us know what you think of the topics we discuss. Please don't yell at me because I am the way I am with my digital stuff. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Thank you to everyone who contributes to the episode. Send in another Muddle the Murder because we just used one, so we could use another. There's mm-hmm. a few in the queue, but yeah, absolutely. It doesn't matter. Keep them coming. Yeah, keep them coming. we got plenty of art- artwork to give away. Katie Cook, art on the line here, folks. <laughs> that Ahsoka was so awesome. And as always, we are uniting the world's mightiest heroes one listener at a time.